We've been working our way through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Uh, six or seven weeks ago, we were in Ephesians chapter 4, and I gave a message entitled, Living as the Transformed Creatures That We Are. Through the cross and the saving grace of God, we have been transformed, right? When you give your life to Jesus, it's not just a simple transaction that you, right, I'll give you my life, Jesus. There's actually a transformation takes place in us. Through the cross and the saving grace of God, we have been transformed. We've been transformed from darkness to light. We've moved from, from unrighteousness to righteousness. We once were a very long way away from God, but now we've been brought near. And in fact, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And because of this transformation that has taken place in us, we should therefore live as the transformed creatures that we are. And that's what we've been, the the section that we've been in in Ephesians has been on about, living as transformed creatures. And then we got into chapter 5 verse 1 and we read, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And when we talk about being an imitator of God, we're not talking about, okay, well I'm going to have this um, creator of the earth complex where, you know, I'm like God. No, that's not at all what we're talking about. Um, we've, realized, we've gone through some very practical examples of how we can imitate God in our daily living and the imitation of God begins with an attitude of sacrificial living. And so for a few weeks we looked at sacrificial living in some different relationships. We looked at sacrificial living in general. Uh, then for a few weeks we looked at sacrificial living within the marriage relationship. And then last week we began to consider what sacrificial living looks like in a parent-child relationship. And that's what we're continuing on with today. As I just said to the kids, last week's lesson was for the children. Um, It was for young children, but it was also for adult children. Um, It was about how we should be relating to our parents. And sacrificial living means that when we're younger, we obey our parents. But then as we get older and our parents stop giving us directions, uh, we still then continue to honour our parents for our whole lives. And my mum's here with us today, and so she's getting to hear this, and she'll probably say to you, well, he hasn't shown me too much honour. Um, not too many tales, mum. Um, but we are to honour our parents for our whole lives. And that was last week. This week, we have a very practical word for parents. And kids, um, you know, you can listen if you like because God willing you may one day have children of your own and you might need to know how to, how to bring them up. But it's also really good to understand why our parents do what they do. So let's begin. Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. British historian Lord Acton once said, Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And there's a fair bit of truth in that. With power comes a very real temptation to become self-seeking and to lord it over those who are under our control. And so we find a dictator becomes a despot. A boss can become a slave driver. A child star can become a spoilt brat. And, of course, we all know that the organist is the one who rules the church. Is that right, Lauren and Joy and Jake? 
Yep, that's it. That's where the power is. <laughs> and when Christian children are commanded to obey their parents, that gives the parents a fair bit of power. And as the great source of, of wisdom, Agent 86, Maxwell Smart would have said, if only they'd use their power for good instead of evil. How do you as a parent use the power that God has given you over your children? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. It's specifically written to the dads. Mums, you can listen in if you like because you'll probably learn a bit too, but it's specifically telling us dads not to provoke our children to anger. Now, why on earth would they single us poor old dads out? Well, maybe we're the ones that do that. Yeah, I'm seeing a few ladies having a bit of a chuckle at the moment and a few men as well. Okay. A father becomes someone who provokes his kids to anger when he loses sight of the fact that his role as a husband and as a father is to be a sacrificial leader in the family. When a father ceases to be carrying out sacrificial leadership, that's when he begins to provoke his children to anger. Now, I'm a little bit nervous preaching on this today because my children know me pretty well. And um, one of them's here this morning. The other one will be with me this afternoon in Westmar. And they know that for me to be preaching on this today, that they're probably going to be hearing a fair bit of hypocrisy. Uh, what they don't know is, is that most Sundays your preacher um, preaches a fair bit of hypocrisy uh, because I don't have everything in order. Um, and usually when I preach, the main person that I'm preaching to is me because I need to get this as well. And sacrificial leadership is something that I don't always do very well. So there you go, there's a bit of confession. When a father loses sight of his role as a sacrificial leader, that's when he begins to provoke his children to anger. Now this is all Paul says, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. He he doesn't tell us in what ways we do it, nor does he tell us how we can stop ourselves from doing it. He just says, don't do it. And sometimes I get a bit frustrated with that. You know, it just says, just don't do it. Well, it should be just that simple, but I need a bit more help than that. Because there's all sorts of ways that fathers and parents in general can provoke their children. Last week, we we talked about how it is hard for us to honour our parents when they press our buttons. And we spent a bit of time trying to figure out, well, how can I continue to honour my parents when they're absolutely frustrating to me? And I think I was the only one here, Mum, who who isn't frustrated by their parents. Uh, No, there's another untruth. Um, Or how, when it seems that my parents might be challenging me to defy them, how can I continue to honour them? And I didn't have any neat answers for you. I've thought about it a little bit more since and and I want to say when you give honour to someone who you don't feel deserves honour that's something we call grace. And God has shown us grace and we're told to be imitators of God. That means we also have to demonstrate grace to others. And there's something very godly 
about honouring your parents, even if they are pressing your buttons, because that takes grace to do that. So that was last week. But this week we're talking to the parents and the message for us today is not about how we can honour when it's difficult to do so. Today's message is about how can we make it easy for our children to honour us. As a sacrificial leader in my family, how can I become someone whose actions are honourable? And therefore it makes it easy for my children to honour me. It makes it easy for my younger children to obey me. And so we actually get into this part here where it talks about how we are not to provoke our children to anger. And there's probably countless ways that we can do that. But I think it all boils down to losing sight of sacrificial leadership. God has given us an enormous responsibility to lead in our families. And to do it well is a personal sacrifice given in love for God and given in love for the family. And here's a few examples that I came up with of how we can provoke our children to anger. I'm sure there's heaps and heaps more, but here's just a few examples. We can provoke our children to anger by being overly strict and needlessly restrictive. We can provoke them by not giving them the responsibility that they've earned. We can provoke them by showing favouritism to other children. We can provoke them to anger by treating them as a slave. Um, you know, it's good for our kids to be doing household chores and, and jobs and, and for us to give them jobs to do. But I've actually found in my life there's actually been times when there's stuff that I should be doing and that, oh, yeah, the kids can do that. Whereas really it's actually been my responsibility as something that I should be doing myself. And I try not to do that anymore, but Jake will probably agree, yep, sometimes I got taught and treated as a slave. Breaking of promises can provoke our children to anger. Abuse in all of its forms, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, provokes our children to anger. Extremes in punishment. And we're going to be asking ourselves the question shortly, when does punishment become abuse? belittling our children, having unforgiveness towards our children, like hanging on to something that they've done when actually we need to forgive them for that, being ungracious towards our children, lovelessness, not loving our children, hypocrisy can provoke our children to anger. That's when we tell our kids to do one thing while, the, while we do that thing ourselves. Strangely enough, we can also provoke our children to anger by letting them have whatever they want and by rewarding their bad behaviour by ignoring it. And if you don't believe me on that one, you show me a child who's never had any discipline at all, a child who's always had their own way, and about nine times out of ten you'll be showing me a child who's grown up with a chip on their shoulder and who feels that the world owes them, and very often that's expressed in anger. So there's all sorts of ways, and that's just a few examples, that fathers can provoke their children to anger, and we have to guard against that. Let's move on. 
Eight-year-old Johnny had just finished his Christmas holidays and he'd gone back to school. Two days into the term, his teacher rings his mother to tell her that little Johnny has been misbehaving. Now hang on a minute, his mother said. I had Johnny at home here for six or seven weeks over the holidays and I never called you once when he misbehaved. Such is the attitude of many parents today. We failed in disciplining our children and then we expect the teachers to fix them. It is the responsibility of parents to discipline their children and we should not be expecting the teachers to do our job for us. And by the time our children reach school age, if we haven't been diligent in in disciplining and guiding and instructing and bringing our children up in the ways of the Lord, well, the poor old teacher's always going to be having to play catch-up. Discipline must begin in the early years and continue through to the beginning of adulthood, into the teenage years. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Remember last week when when we were talking about um, honouring our parents and just how important that is To highlight how important that is to God, I I read a pretty shocking bit of scripture to you. Can can you guys remember that bit of scripture? Uh, I I saw a few jaws drop, though I don't think you actually realised that was in the Bible. Um, It came from Deuteronomy chapter 21. I'm going to read it to you again because I know there's people here today who weren't here last week. And it's to do with how to deal with an uncontrollable child. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and though they discipline him will not listen to them then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives and they shall say to the elders of his city this our son is a stubborn and rebellious son. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. And all Israel shall hear and fear. And I think I went, ooh. And some of you also went, ooh. Wow. Now, this is obviously an Old Testament law that we don't keep anymore. But last week I was using that as an example so that we could just see just how critical it is for us to honour our parents. When, when children are not honouring their parents, that is seen as an evil that should be purged from society. I also touched on what I wanted to bring out of it today. As a parent, imagine if you were living in Israel and you were the parent of a child and you love that child. Would you not do everything in your power to bring them up as children who would honour and obey? Would you not do everything in your power to instruct them and to develop them and to make sure that they're growing into, into people who will hold godly values? 
And wouldn't you always make sure that you disciplined them and sometimes punished them to ensure that they did not become stubborn and rebellious? Wouldn't you do that? You really, really, really want your kid to grow up as one who's going to be honouring? Now, I wonder how much harder we parents would work at bringing our kids up properly if we understood how critical it was and if we could, if we could just see that, it's, that nobody else is going to pick up the slack where we've been slack. It's our job. Last week I said that that passage had more to say to parents than what it does to children. And what it's saying to us is it's your responsibility. It says here that it's the father and the mother who both have to be involved in the raising of the child. God never designed the family to have absentee fathers. Dads, you you might come home but you might still be an absentee father if you're not stepping up and taking your responsibility to train and instruct and discipline your children. Never walk away and leave the child rearing to the mother. That's not the mother's job. It's the parent's job. Fathers and mothers together are to raise and rear their children. The father and the mother both have to be conscientious in their discipline. And in that reading, when the father and the mother both reached their wits end and they, and they went to the elders of the city. They, they had to stand together and say, look, we've done this. We, we disciplined them and we brought them up, but they, wouldn't, they won't listen to us. And it makes a point here that it has to be in your own town that you do this. It has to be in a place where you are known. And, and these elders of the city are going to know if, if this is true or not, whether you actually have been a parent who has put the effort in to bringing this child up and whether they've run amok in, in spite of all of that or whether you've been a parent that's gone, ah, big job, too hard. I'm going to make a pretty bold statement one which is only based on personal observation. I haven't done any formal research into it. Most uncontrollable children today are that way because their parents have not brought them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Most. Not all. Most. Very rarely will a child who has been disciplined and instructed properly by their parents become a rebellious child. But it does happen. It does happen. Paul says mainly to the fathers, but I believe he's also speaking to the mums here too, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, this is pretty important, so I want to actually have a look at that in the Greek, because you know, usually we sort of just see that phrase and we go, oh, discipline. Yep, and we have a very good idea of what discipline is. So here it is in the Greek. Ektrefeti, orta, and pedia, kai, nuthesia, curio. Okay, so has that clarified it for everybody? You've got it now? Good. Okay. Ektrefeti, to rear, to care for, to bring up, to nourish. Orta, them, meaning the children, and in, paedia, upbringing, 
training, instruction, discipline. I think um, you teachers probably know the word pedagogy, is it? Pedagogy? That comes from that same Greek word meaning to teach. Yep. Um, Kai and Nuthesia, admonition, warning, instruction, kiriu of the Lord. So a literal translation of what Paul said is to rear, care for, bring up or nourish our children in the upbringing, training, instruction, discipline and admonition, warning, instruction in the Lord. Usually when somebody says the word discipline, what do you think of straight away? I think of the, the strap that used to be kept up on the top of the fridge and um, every now and then that strap would come down and coincidentally it seemed to line up with those times when I'd been a particularly naughty boy and that strap used to produce some kind of stinging sensation upon my buttocks and it really hurt. Now that's what I think of when I think of discipline. And you might think of you know, the, the potty waddy or the wooden spoon or the principal's cane or maybe even the stock whip. But we need to understand that that part of discipline and what he's talking about here, that the, the physical punishment side is the tiniest, tiniest part of bringing up a child in the Lord. We rear our children, we care for them, we nourish them, we bring them up. We train them, we instruct them. And yes, we discipline them. We admonish them. There's a word that's gone from the English language. It means to warn them. It means we instruct them. And we do this in the Lord. If your idea of discipline is limited to giving your kid a jolly good flogging when they've deserved it, well, you have not understood the self-sacrificial nature of parental discipline. There are two very selfish ways to bring up a child. The first is to basically ignore their behaviour and to mostly let them bring themselves up. And the second is to just bring out the strap, bring out the, the wooden spoon every time they've done something wrong. And both these methods are lazy parenting. If you want to bring your child up in the Lord, care for them. Nourish them. Train them. Instruct them. Yes, and we do discipline them. We admonish them. We warn them. And there's the word instruct again. You get what's happening here? It's about teaching them godly living. And teaching to be done well needs to be intentional. And if you're someone who recognises that your child needs some instruction or some warning or some punishment, you go, hmm, big job. You know, if I, if, if I do that, that's just going to upset them and then I'm going to have to try and get everything all back into balance again. Oh, it's better just to leave it. If you're like that and just likely to let behaviour pass, instead of correcting it and teaching and instructing why that behaviour is not what we're after. That's not godly parenting. To bring them up, instructing them, warning them in the Lord, admonishing them, guess what? It is a big job. It is a big job. It's an enormous job. It is a self-sacrificial job. 
It's a task that is going to cost you. It'll cost you in time, it'll cost you in energy, it'll cost you emotionally and it'll cost you physically. But godly parenting and discipline is much more than physical punishment and it's much more than just ignoring it altogether. Now, having said all that, I'm actually going to talk specifically about physical punishment. Um, And we have to do this because in our society there's two extremes of view on this physical punishment. And neither of them are good for the child. The first view is that corporal punishment is a violent abuse of the child and under no circumstances can it ever be condoned. And as a Bible teacher, I have to tell you, that's completely against what God tells us in his word. Hebrews chapter 12, have I got it there, Robin? Hebrews 12, talks about how we as Christians are disciplined by God. Now, we know that God is our loving heavenly father and it uses this father-son relationship as a metaphor. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Isn't that a good word? Our fathers discipline us because they love us. They don't do it because they hate us. It's not pleasant, but it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. And it tells us there the purpose of it. We are trained by it. And if you've ever been in a house where there's no discipline, you'll soon realise um, what a lack of peace is like. Um, a house without discipline, there's very often no peace at all. Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise Yahweh's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because Yahweh disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. If you love your kids, you will discipline them. Proverbs 23. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Now, Sheol is the Hebrew word for the dark, shadowy land of death. It would be like saying... You know, if you strike him with a rod now, you, you could actually be saving him from the grave, teaching him something that could actually save his life. Proverbs 22. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 29. The rod and reproof give wisdom, 
but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. All of these things are wise words. Biblically, physical punishment is definitely something that at times we have to do and it's for the good of the child. But the second extreme attitude towards physical punishment is when physical punishment goes beyond discipline and becomes abuse. And as parents, we are to imitate God. God is a loving Heavenly Father. And God is a God of justice and so God disciplines his children. But he's also a God of mercy. You know that, don't you? You know God's a God of mercy? If you don't know God as a God of mercy, your your Christian walk is going to be something which really lacks love for God. But when you know that God is merciful, you'll love him for it. And sometimes punishment gets taken too far. When Israel rebelled against God, God warned them. What they were doing is they'd forsaken God and they'd started following other gods and idols. And God warned them and he warned them and warned them. He sent them prophet after prophet after prophet and the prophets weren't listened to. They were thrown into dungeons, they were tortured, they were killed. And finally, God had to discipline them. And when God is disciplining a nation... He does it through another nation and he used the nation of Babylon to punish Israel. And Babylon came in and they conquered Israel. But then Babylon went too far. They took all of the people out of the land and they took them into exile and they turned them into slaves and they were very harsh and and they went way beyond what God ever wanted them to. And God was exceedingly angry with Babylon because they showed no mercy. They made the yoke of slavery very heavy indeed. And so God dealt with Babylon and he punished them. And you can read about that in Zechariah chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 47 where God is saying to Babylon, you were given this job to do but you've gone too far. You need to show mercy. And the lesson that I learn as a parent is we always have to be very careful that we never take physical discipline too far. Because the Lord is watching over your children. The Lord's watching over my children. And when it goes beyond discipline and becomes abuse, I suspect the Lord gets very angry at that. How do I know if I've taken it too far? Well, if it makes me feel better when I punish my child, that's a pretty good indicator that I shouldn't be doing it. Um, It's definitely gone too far if it's damaging or permanently injuring the child. Now kids, your parents may have sometimes said this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. I actually don't think that's true. Um, it, it does hurt more than, than, than what our parents do. But what it means is it hurts our parents emotionally. They don't like having to discipline our ch- their children. You've gone too far and you have the wrong motivation if you find it difficult to stop. And if as I finish, 
I realise I'm angry and I'm not able to comfort the child and put my arms around them and give them a hug and tell them I love them, then I've gone too far. Discipline of a child, the purpose of that is not for releasing our anger. If you have an uncontrollable anger, you need to walk away. That's not a good place to be disciplining your children from. You understanding this? Parenting, including discipline and including physical punishment, should always be done as an expression of sacrificial living. Because that's what godly parenting is about. Sacrificial living in the family. It's not to get it off my chest and, and make me feel better by taking it out on the child. It's something which is done with a purpose. This seems to have become yet another quite a long sermon. Um, This week I actually looked back over the messages that that have been coming out of this little sub-series of sacrificial living and every one of them have been long. Um, You've probably noticed that. Um, And I was was sort of thinking, oh, should I say sorry about that? Um, No, I I don't want to say sorry about that. What I want to say is I hope that's been all right. Because I've just seen there's just been so many spiritual and yet very practical lessons in this section of Ephesians. Um, So much to to share. And as a parent, I actually got a fair bit out of preparing this week's message. And I found myself wishing I'd done it. I wrote 10, but then I've just realised how old my kids are. Uh, I wish I'd done it 20 years earlier. (laughs) So that I probably would have done a better job as a parent. And I suspect... They say, no, I know. I know there's no perfect parents here. Um, I know that I've failed my children and I've failed God in bringing up my children at times, as I'm pretty sure you have as well. May the Lord forgive us for our failures, but also may our children forgive us for our failures. But let's also, beginning from here on in, let's begin to love and bring up and train and instruct and discipline our children sacrificially, where we give of ourselves. We put our, all of our efforts in. And instead of sitting down and watching the telly, it might be a time to go and sort something out with the kids and actually teach them why it's wrong or why it's right instead of just big job. Doing it sacrificially, giving of ourselves, imitating God who actually is the perfect Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are the perfect Heavenly Father. We thank you that you love us so deeply. We thank you, Lord, also that you love us sacrificially. You gave of yourself. And Lord, you continue to give of yourself to train us and instruct us 
and to bring us up to, to, to become a people who are holy. And Lord, our prayer is that we as parents and for those of us who are parents-to-be, Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom and that you would help us to imitate you, the perfect Heavenly Father, as we bring our children up. Lord, help us to love our kids. Help us to instruct our children and bring them up in your ways, training them in righteousness, warning them. And Lord, help us to discipline sacrificially. Lord, forgive us for our failures. And help us to do it your way. And Lord, as parents, we want to pray for our kids that in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our failures, Lord, our greatest desire is that they would grow up to know you, that they would grow up to love you and honour you and obey you. that they would be in a deep, meaningful relationship with you, knowing you as their Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen.